You are listening to Haftarah, the Shir series where we explore the connections between the Parsha Shavua and its corresponding Haftarah. And here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, this week's Parsha is Parsha's Kisisa, but it is also Parsha's Para. And as we've been doing in the recent weeks where we have the Dalad Parshios, we've been doing two Haftarah Shirim on these given weeks, one for the Haftarah for the Parsha HaShavua, and one for the special Haftarah that aligns with the Dalad Parshios, whichever of the Dalad Parshios is read that week. Bearing in mind that, yes, on Shabbos, the only Haftarah that we read is from the Dalad Parshios, but we want to give time to every Haftarah available. So, that said, we're going to talk about Parshas Para later this week, probably even later today, but as Hashem. But in the meantime, we're going to focus on the Haftarah for Parshas Kisisa. And similar to last week, Parshas Tetzava, we had mentioned that the Haftarah for Tetzava is uncommonly read because Tetzava more often than not coincides with Parsha Zachar. In a similar vein, Kisisa more often than not coincides with Parsha's Para. So it's not often that we read the Haftarah for Kisisa, but um, the fact that uh, Kisisa and Parsha's Para coincide very often um, um, that is perhaps one of the bases for the connections that, the, that you find between Kisisa and Parsha's Para. Um, connections that are already alluded to in the Medrash, and probably in several Divrei Torah and Drushas you're going to hear over Shabbos, maybe more on the connection between Kisisa and Para for another time. In fact, we actually have Shirim in the database podcast archives, um, connections between Parashas Para and Parashas Kisisa, and you could actually find those in the database podcast WhatsApp group if you're a part of it. I always um, stream, quote-unquote, old Shirim from the Parsha Shavua, and if you want to, moving forward, be able to see those shirim as they're uploaded, then all you have to do is reach out to me at the database at gmail.com. It's the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. Just leave me your phone number and tell me you want to be a part of the database podcast WhatsApp group, and I'll enter you there. Or if you want to sponsor by and, and partner up with us at the database because you enjoy the shirim, or if you have questions, comments, concerns, recommendations for shirim, then all you have to do is reach out to me at the database at gmail.com, the data than base, B-E-I-S at gmail.com. But let's get on to talking about the Haftarah for this week, for Parshas Kisisa. So another point that the, this Haftarah has in common with Titzavah, at least if you've been following the Haftarah series, is you'll note that we've been talking about in the past few weeks, besides for the series of the Dalad Parshas, there's another series um, in the Parshas Hashavua, which we've dubbed the Mishkan series. And... We had mentioned that although this Mishkan series is also present in the Haftaras, there were two Haftaras, two Parshas HaShavua, that don't conform to the Mishkan series. And those were last week's Parsha Tetzaveh and this week's Parsha Kisisa. So the, the Mishkan series, which, um, whose Haftaras um, are describing the construction of the Beis HaMikdash in the time of Shlomo HaMelech, so that's Truma, Vayakhel, and Pekudeh. Um, but for Tetzaveh, we, we noted that there was a different Haftarah, which we took from Yechezkel. And, and this Haftarah for, for Kisisa comes to us from Malachim Aleph, Perak Yerches. So that's um, Perak 18, Psukim Aleph through Lamed Tess, 1 to 39. And this, uh, this Haftarah is not the first nor the last necessarily that we find from Malachim Aleph. I'm actually not sure at, um, at this moment if it's the last one, but it's definitely not the first one. The truth is, all of the other Mishkan series Haftaras are taken from Malach HaMalach, but a different story entirely. Those stories are about Shlomo HaMalach. This one's going to be about Eliyahu HaNavi, as we will see soon. Uh, but we've also had Malach HaMalach um, in Parshas Chayi Sara. We've had it for Parshas Vayechi. So, 
Now we're looking at Malachim um, Aleph, but from the standpoint of Parshas Kisisa. And although there is plenty of Mishkan-related material in Parshas Kisisa, it's abundantly clear that the center of our attention in Parshas Kisisa would be the tragedy of the Chete Egel. Um, so the Haftar for this Sidra, like that of Tetzaveh, is likely not taken from any of the Mishkan series sections of Navi, which discuss the Beis HaMikdash, because there's something more central that uh, the Torah wants to give our attention to, and our Masorah wants to give our attention to when it comes to the reading of Navi. And if that's true, the Haftar for Kisisa, which is taken from this story of Eliyahu Navi at Hara Carmel, um, is definitely not a bad choice at all. This is the scene in which Eliyahu Navi challenges and denounces the Bnei Israel who were worshipping Baal, who was the false rain deity. And this matches the story of the Egel Azav, the golden calf, quite well, as both stories feature a prophet standing up on behalf of Hashem in the face of his insult and in the face of what looks like at least some form of idolatry. And, um, and so we find that both in the Parsha, both in the Haftarah. But as usual, I want to challenge and ask the question of could we have done better in terms of choosing a Haftarah. Now again, the, the Eliyahu Navi piece is great. It's undoubtedly relevant. However, if we truly want to highlight the terrible mistake of the golden calf, we could actually find a closer parallel, or a seemingly closer parallel, in an earlier story in Sefer Malachim. Namely, in the story of the wicked Melech of, of, of Bnei Israel, Yeravim ben Nevat. Because Yeravim ben Nevat, he actually built not one, but two golden calves. Two Eglezav. Once again, drawing the Bnei Israel away from Hashem. And it's astonishing how that even happened. And if the first golden calf story was difficult enough to comprehend, this one is twice as much, especially considering the fact that by the second time around we would think that the nation would have learned. Now, as fascinating of a discussion as that would be, that's not our Haftarah. So maybe for a different time to discuss how it happened, that there was another golden calf story that unfolded. But our Haftarah is talking about something else entirely. And maybe if you want to reach out to me at the database, um, then we can... Uh, um, at Database of Gmail, we can talk about uh, this story further. But there is uh, nothing conceptually wrong with the Navi containing more than one sequel to the Golden Calf story. But the question is, why is the Golden Calf story from Yeravim's time not featured? And instead, we feature the story of Eliyahu Navi, which involved no actual Golden Calves. It involved a different god, Baal. But why, why, did, we, uh, why did we prefer that story? So, yes, Yeravim's story featured golden calves, and yes, like the heir of Rav of our Sidra, Yeravim caused the nation to stray. But looking at the story more closely, it's clear that the Yeravim story is more largely a story about Yeravim himself, his failure and his corruption and his impact on the people. The story of our Sidra, though, is not about the golden calf and those who secretly instigated it. It's something that you notice if you look really closely at the parasha, and you know what Chazal say, but if you look at what the Chumash says, the Chumash does not talk about what we have heard from the time that we're young from Chazal, that it was the Erev Rav, and it was a man named Micha who threw a plate in, and there was Kishif and black magic, and they were really the ones that came to Aaron. We hear this from Chazal, and my point is not to suggest that what Chazal is saying isn't legitimate, it absolutely is, but the Chumash speaks for itself and doesn't tell us about this, 
Meaning the Chumash wants us to be able to look at the story as though Klai Israel as a whole are guilty, because which in fact they are. And Chazal um, agree with that too. So if that's true, the story is not about the era of Rav. It's not a story about Micha. This is a story about Klai Israel. And in a similar vein, I want to argue that the story of Eliyahu Novi is about the people who were able to fall for the golden calves. No, sorry, not the golden calves. Excuse me. To fall for Baal um, in the times of Yeravam. Sorry, no, in the times of Eliyahu Novi. I'm confusing myself. The story of the Haftarah is about a people who was able to fall for Baal in the times of Eliyahu Novi in a similar vein that our Parsha is not about the era of Rav or Micha, but it's about Klai who was able to fall for the golden calf and to ultimately uh, be complicit in that Avera, in, ever, in whichever way they were. So let's, let's talk about that. There's apparently in both stories a national flaw. And what was that flaw? I believe the flaw lies in our parallel stories. Chet Egel and Del Yehonavi at Harakarmel. So before we get there, it's noteworthy that the tight relationship between the way Eliyahu Hanavi and Moshe Rabbeinu react to the idolatrous tragedies of their respective eras, that sinks deeply enough that Jewish liturgists have intertwined the themes and text of Eliyahu Hanavi into the services of Yom Kippur, of all things. We've uh, discussed this um, in the past, but just for example, we have reference to both Moshe and Eliyahu Hanavi in Unasana Tokef, where we talk about the Shofar Gadol Yitaka, the Shofar of Har Sinai, where Moshe Benu stood at Har Sinai. And yet we have um, the Kol Dzumamadaka Yishama, the, the quiet, still voice from, from Eliyahu Hanavi, when Eliyahu Hanavi was on top of Chorev speaking to Hashem. So we also have not only that, but the cheering or the shouting of Hashem Hu Elokim at the end of Ne'ilah on Yom Kippur, whose origins lie in the story of the Golden Calf, really as Yom Kippur was the day when Kleinstra was atoned for that sin and granted the second set of luchos, which Moshe shattered at the sight of the Egel. And alongside the parallels between Moshe and Eliyahu are a bunch of stark points of contrast, which are much worth discussing, but also for a different point in time. We might have Shirim in the past um, um, on the Yom Kippur-related material, but uh, we'll have to check back for that. But for our purposes, the flaw of the nation that allowed the Chet to happen not only once, but basically at least two more times over. Um, is That's highlighted perfectly by Moshe Rabbeinu's short words in our Sidra, and it's complemented excellently by Eliyahu Hanavi's harsh elaboration in our Haftarah. So what am I talking about? What were Moshe Rabbeinu's important words, the most poignant words of Moshe Rabbeinu in our Parsha? And what am I going to argue is Eliyahu Hanavi's color commentary on those words? So after returning to the scene of the crime, shattering the Luchos, being, fi- um, being filled in by his brother Aaron, who was left in charge, Moshe Benu turns to the people and declares the following words, which really cannot, um, we, we, we cannot meditate on them enough. He says the words, Mila Hashem Eli. Whoever is for Hashem, come to me. Now, the question is, what exactly was Moshe Benu trying to communicate through these words? Was he just trying to figure out and identify which people sinned and who didn't? In other words, if you're among the calf worshippers, wait on the side over there. We'll kill you in a moment. Everyone else who is innocent and has free hands, come over here, because someone has to kill the others, and I just cannot do all of that by myself. Right? Like, what's Moshe Benu trying to do? Whoever's for Hashem comes to me. What does he mean? Who's he expecting to come over? So clearly, Moshe Benu intended to convey something much deeper and more fundamental. Mila Hashem Eli was not just an announcement, but it was actually a bone-chilling question that 
resounds in every given moment of our lives. Who is for Hashem? And we don't mean just who is pro-Hashem, who is pro the concept of Hashem and not just theoretically agreeable to Hashem, but Moshe Rader asks who is for Hashem, devoted to Hashem, who is to Hashem and Hashem's will. Who out there can say that they actually have that, that they are to Hashem? At last week's Parsha in, in Tetzaveh, we have the Kohen Gadol who wears the tzitz on his forehead, which says, Kodesh La Hashem. Right? On Yom Kippur, we have a Seir La Hashem. The, the goat that belongs is dedicated and it's, it's slaughtered to Hashem, wholly dedicated to Him. Who of us can say we are La Hashem? That's the question that Moshe Bain is asking. Right? He, he, Moshe Rabbeinu is not looking for information. Moshe Rabbeinu is making a point. And he's laying it out there for us to choose. Are we for Hashem or not? Or not just to choose, but to measure and do a reckoning for ourselves, a cheshbon, to determine are we actually for Hashem or are we not? Even under the greatest shadow of doubt, and even with the most noble of intentions, if you could resort to a molten image, which Hashem told you that you may not, then by definition you are not for Hashem. If you are for Hashem, says Moshe, you would submit yourself to the will of God, even if it means taking a sword and killing your own brother, which Moshe ultimately commands the tribe of Levi to do. Along comes a new generation, with all of the same old problems. The new fad is Baal, but like the generation of the Midbar who experienced the exodus of the Bnei Israel, here also have somewhat genuine feelings for Hashem. There existed in that era as well, a religious, Torah-passionate fervor. There just also happened to be a false deity who was about as equally popular. And so, Eliohanavi lays down the Korban showdown, which he will offer a Korban to Hashem, La Hashem, and the representatives of Baal will offer one to Baal. Whoever is offering gets consumed in a heavenly fire, Hashem's or Baal's, they'll be declared the winner. But before he makes that challenge, Eliohanavi offers a more fundamental challenge to the nation. I think the greatest commentary, to me, Hashem Eli. How does Eliyahu phrase it? Admasai atem poschem al How long will you straddle between two sides, between two clauses? Im Hashem ha'alokim, if Hashem is the God, l'chuacharav, then go after Him, and only Him. Vim ha'ba'al, l'chuacharav, and think it's the Baal, and go after him, but only him. Notice how Eliyahu Hanavi gives them the option of following Baal, so long as they will follow Baal exclusively, and not fool themselves into thinking that they can serve both God and Baal. At a certain point, you got to pick. La Hashem, for Hashem, means that there is no in-between. You can't say that you are for Hashem if you are going against Hashem. Even if you're partially for Hashem, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as partially. Uh, it's not chatzil Hashem, chatzil Hashem. At least not here. There can only be undivided devotion. Anything else is not Ratzon Hashem, is therefore not La Hashem. Hashem takes part in no love triangles. You cannot straddle both sides of the fence. You have to be on only one team. And the Navi tells us immediately after... The people did not answer Eliyahu. They didn't have an answer. And who could? There, there is no answer to that question. 
you just have to think about it and constantly introspect, reevaluate, and ask yourself. We have to ask ourselves if indeed we stand La Hashem or if we are trying to straddle between God and modern golden calves and Baalim in our lives. It's as simple as that. Which team are you on? And you have to make that decision and go all the way with it. And if we're being intellectually honest with ourselves and want to develop a truly genuine and undivided devotion to Hashem, then like the Bnei Israel in the times of Eliyahu Navi, we will not only be inspired to declare, but to live a life of Hashem Hu Ha'elokim, as Klai Israel does at the climax of Eliyahu Navi's story. We'll be able to say Hashem Hu Ha'elokim, and we can mean it when we say that we are entirely La Hashem. So we shall be zochah to truly devote ourselves undividedly to Hashem and thereby serve Him to the best of our abilities. And Hashem should accept our genuine services favorably, deem us worthy of the Geula, Nikamim Mashiach, from Hayabi Aminu. want to just dedicate this shir to the Nishmas Imin Rasi Chayrocha, and once again, stay tuned for later this week where we will deliver a shir on half Torah for Parshas Para. But until then, thank you for joining us here at the database and have a wonderful Shabbos.